Section 6 of In Italy with the 332nd Infantry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. In Italy with the 332nd Infantry by Joseph L. Letow. Chapter 5 The Drive. We had not gone far when we were made aware of the overwhelming volume of traffic on this highway. Troops and trucks were hurrying to the front. Empty trucks were returning, and this road was not built for two trucks and a column of soldiers abreast. It was a most irritating advance. Every few minutes came the command to halt and fall out to the right of the road. Then, when the road was clear, we clambered back and proceeded. The night was damp, and the cold readily penetrated our clothes, chilling us to the bone while the frequent stops made it difficult to get warmed up. At 2.30 a.m., the column halted and moved over to the side of the road. When more than an hour passed and we still remained there in the cold, we wondered what was going on at the head of the column. Toward morning there was a stir around the rolling kitchens a few yards from us, and upon investigation we found that breakfast was being prepared. We crowded around the welcome fire. The hot coffee and rice restored our good spirits and warmed us. About six o'clock a.m. an orderly found the detachment and gave us the order to report at the head of the column. Upon arriving there, we saw the first company in Vargo being assigned a place to pitch pup tents. The town seemed like the gate to the frontier. Fortunately, there was a stone floor and four walls left for us with the weather near the freezing point the floor did not appeal to me as a bed and i searched for boards to lie upon being unable to obtain any i found it necessary to remove a superfluous door a little later when i passed this doorway i noticed that the twin to my door was also missing there was nothing for the regiment to do but await the thinning out of traffic meanwhile our trucks came up with fresh provisions at 7.30, on the morning of the 31st of October, we marched out of Virago. The road was still congested, the principal reason being that the bridges over the Piave had been blown up and light pontoons were being used in their stead. The same start and stop progress took place, and it was not until about 2 p.m. that we reached the Piave. The river is very wide here, there being three kilometers between the two shores the streams of the river were very swift and the island was gravelly making progress slow and painful to the burdened men and animals on this island of grave di papadooli we found our first signs of the recent struggle several dead bloated horses and mules halfway in the water met our eyes nearby were corpses lying as they had fallen two or three days before Helmets, gas masks, rifles, and shells were strewn promiscuously about near the road. The island is a forlorn place at best, but now battle-scarred and with dead men, dead horses, and implements of warfare lying about, it was one's idea of supreme desolation. Here and there were great yellow splotches, showing where the gas shells had fallen. At length, the last stream was crossed, and we left the Piave behind us and passed through 
the ruins of Sima Dolmo. On both sides of the road, the small streams of more or less movement seemed to have collected all of the dead men, dead animals, and rifles. The horses we saw had great holes in their flanks. Starving people under the thumb of a rapacious conqueror are not too particular when food is concerned. Riding along in silence, looking at the poor dead human beings, we wondered if a gray-haired mother or flaxen-haired wife would not wait in vain for their return. I think many of us pray that we would be spared their fate. It seemed terrible to allow these bodies to lie for days like those of animals exposed to weather and prowling beasts. Later we saw graves, large plots where the earth was still soft with a few rude wooden crosses marking them. We saw one man lying head foremost in the stream alongside the road. It was difficult to believe that a few days before he had been living flesh and blood with beating heart, with emotions and hopes such as we all have. The fields were pitted with great holes where the shells had struck, and the few houses we saw were in ruins. No, this day's travel was not cheerful. However, night at last cast its merciful mantle over the poor bits of clay and the ruined towns, and when eight o'clock had come we had reached our objective, Vazola. The companies pitched tents alongside the road, gathering corn stalks which were placed in the tents to lie upon, as the ground was cold and damp. The detachment found its way into a poor farmhouse. One could step from the home into the barn as both were under the same roof. These people were very thankful at their deliverance from the long Austrian occupation. Our interpreters told us that the Huns had been living upon locusts, boiled grass, and domestic animals for some time. The people said that they had been cruelly treated, and many of the women had been mistreated. Some of the boys slept in the stalls, some in the mangers, while as many as could crowd into the kitchen did so, for there was a welcome fire in the fireplace. The march was resumed in the morning. A few corpses and dead animals were still in evidence, and there was an unbelievable quantity of ammunition and many rifles lying about. Everything pointed to a hasty retreat. The body of Italian cavalry passed us during the day, and we in turn passed some Tommies belonging to an English supply train. They shouted after us, Better get aeroplanes, Sammy, if you want to catch them. About this time, there was some concern about rations. The regiment was able to cross the Monticano River, but the pontoons were too light for our heavy trucks, and they were forced to make a detour. Each man had two days' iron rations on his person. These rations consisted of two small cans of beef and from six to eight hard biscuits. Our evening meal on this day was half a can of beef, biscuit, and coffee. We reached Guarjarin by the evening of November 1st, about 30 miles from Treviso as we marched. The troops fell out on the sides of the road and pitched tents in the fields. During the night, as we learned later, our trucks with food came up on this road and passed through the sleeping regiment without either party recognizing the other. At 2 a.m. November 2nd, we were ordered on the march. The horses were left behind and were to come up later. We did not see the reason for starting at this time in the morning until an hour later when we reached a burnt-down bridge at the Livenza River. 
here we were forced to wait an hour until the bridge was repaired we crossed and pushed on in the unknown darkness at this time we were the advance guard of the thirty-first italian division of the tenth italian army commanded by the british general earl Cavan. our own advance guard was a skirmish line consisting of a dozen platoons which scoured the country ahead of us we breakfasted in maron at nine a m we continued our march during the day we crossed the meduna river and in the afternoon camped near simpelo at the last crossing the machine guns were dismantled and carried across while the mule swam for the last few hours we were on the heels of the rapidly departing enemy he showed himself skillful in retreat at times we were told he had passed just five hours before us and we strove to catch up with him on this day rome reported that the austrians were fleeing from udine fifty miles east of the piave river and that eighty thousand prisoners and sixteen hundred guns had been captured by the allies on the eastern or low land section our front the austrians were in full retreat in the mountains the battle was undecided the position of the americans as mentioned above was that of advance guard of the tenth army we also occupied the center the italians being on our right and the british on our left however at that time we saw or heard nothing from our allies in the morning of november third we again took up the pursuit after marching about twelve miles we reached san lorenzo about two thirty p m and called it a day our kitchens had failed to cross at one of the rivers and had not yet caught up so there were no hot meals besides we had been using our emergency rations and with our supplies somewhere in italy we were in danger of hunger fortunately the austrians had not gathered up all of the corn and we were able to buy a sort of cornmeal from the natives called polenti the people had also dug up some wine that had been hidden from enemy eyes for many months after tasting it we were sorry the austrians had not discovered it during the evening of the third three of us succeeded in annexing a corn husk bed and therefore enjoyed a real sleep in the morning we received a bowl of hot half and half and thought it the best breakfast we had ever had the people were very kind to us but it was noticeable that they were actuated greatly by fear the long austrian occupation had left its effects upon them and they could not understand when we offered to pay for our accommodations when we stopped at san lorenzo on the previous day the second and third battalions with attached platoons had pressed forward until they reached the tagliamento river at a point called ponte de la delicia about four miles from san lorenzo the bridge there had been blown up by the enemy and was still burning the austrians held the opposite shore having entrenched themselves behind the high dikes which also afforded strong positions for machine guns notwithstanding this they allowed the americans to advance to the river during the evening an english-speaking austrian called to the americans asking for a parley one of the officers was sent to him the austrian informed him that at three p m an armistice between italy and austria became effective and therefore they could see no reason for further bloodshed this was not news to the american commanders 
the officer returned safely to the american lines and reported however notwithstanding the folly of further hostile demonstration the preparations to attack were continued what if the careers of a few hundred americans in the bloom of youth were suddenly ended what if a few hundred mothers and fathers never again looked on the fair features of their sons life was cheap in europe in nineteen seventeen in nineteen eighteen the regiment could not return to america with no battles to its credit glory is always preferable to life as i mentioned before the bridge was in flames which threw a sort of screen about the vicinity so that the austrians evidently did not correctly interpret the american activities at any rate they did not immediately fire the second battalion and machine gun company were to pass over the remaining section of the bridge descend to the dry river bed and deploy along it company h was to be held in reserve battalion headquarters was located behind one of the large concrete abutments of the bridge and from this point the action was directed headquarters company was to entrench along the bank and the third battalion moved to the left in support our patrols reported about a battalion of austrians across the river in the darkness of the early morning the americans were drawing up along the river bed and artillery support was arranged for most of the movement had been completed when about three thirty a m the austrians opened fire but fortunately their bullets went high as revealed by their tracers the american movement being completed just as dawn was breaking about five a m the order to advance was given when about twenty yards had been covered the americans were ordered to lie on the ground only a few rounds had been fired and these were as well controlled here as on the firing range the discipline was perfect when cease firing sounded down the line not a straggling nervous shot was heard a little later the order to resume the advance was given and this move took the americans across a shallow stream again they lay low and the allied guns raked the austrian positions which were so badly battered this much having been accomplished the command to advance was again given and this move took the boys over the top they yelled like indians as they rushed forward and they maintained such a line as one sees only at a practice maneuver for a band of untried soldiers they were splendid the austrians returned a hot fire but the boys pressed on as true brothers of the doughboys in france on and on they went and when at last close quarters were reached they showed that they had forgotten nothing they had learned in the bayonet drills back at camp sherman they were irresistible the enemy broke and fled in the same extended order the pursuit was continued and every possible place which might shelter an austrian was searched until the town of kodroipo was reached where the order to halt was given at three p m on the fourth of november the armistice became binding and the conquerors rested on their laurels every austrian inside a designated line was a prisoner most were willing ones one of the prisoners marching into Codropio with the americans attracted the attention of the villagers who shook their fists at him and called derisively you won't shoot your machine-gun from our church tower any more he had told the americans he was a railroader and knew nothing about war regimental headquarters was still at san lorenzo with the first battalion 
at seven a m on the fourth about two hours after the battle we left san lorenzo and marched to vavasone our victorious comrades were out of sight and hearing across the river and we remained on our side pitching pup tents along the river shore here we learned for the first time that at three p m an armistice with austria went into effect at first it seemed increditable some time later the order was issued to unload all guns at three p m and this announcement confirmed what we had first thought was a rumor and as the boys broke formation mighty cheers rang out and caps were thrown high in the air throughout the day and night shots were heard it sounded like war but it was only intensely happy italians throwing superfluous hand grenades now that austria was out of the war we wondered how long germany could stand alone the ever-present rumor told us that we were soon to leave for bavaria to beat upon germany's back door it seemed that we were to see some real fighting at last on the fifth of november there was a continual stream of austrian prisoners coming over the bridge and on the opposite shore there were thousands of prisoners waiting to cross every rank of the austrian army was present generals with their staffs as well as ragged nearly bare feet privates many young italian women ran out to the road as the officers passed and recognizing some of their former prosecutors caught hold of their feet and dragged them from their carriages slapping and otherwise humiliating them to the allied soldier every prisoner was a promising possibility for plunder and the italians were exceptionally adept at this forming two lines the italians forced the austrians to march through in single file while they searched the prisoners pockets after which they were made to run the gauntlet sometimes even water bottles were snatched from them the americans were apt pupils and many were souvenir hunting but i do not think they prized water bottles generally they gave a few cigarettes if they found anything of value upon the prisoners eight thousand of these prisoners came into american hands for delivery to an english prison camp they were sent back guarded by several headquarters bicycle orderlies the top sergeant of these orderlies was a mischievous-looking light-haired lad so short as to have received the name of shorty as the column marched along the road several big austrians stopped to argue among themselves about something and paid no attention to the guards who ordered them on however when shorty appeared and used the butt of his rifle across a couple of backs the argument stopped and the march continued arriving at the english camp shorty reported his eight thousand prisoners to the officer in charge who asked with twinkling eyes do you want a receipt receipt blank said shorty i'm glad to get rid of them at five p m november fifth we were ordered back to san lorenzo and on the march i noticed that my buddy was shaky and dizzy he had been complaining of a bad cold and headache but we thought it nothing more serious than grip toward the end of the two-hour walk it was necessary to grasp his arm and help him with his pack once more in san lorenzo we found our cornstalk bed and he retired immediately during the evening he ate a little polenti he seemed very tired if only our kitchens or supplies would reach us we still had our emergency rations but we dared not eat too much of them fortunately we were able to borrow twenty-four hours rations 
from the british in san lorenzo we learn that the casualties at the bridge had been one killed and seven wounded the dead soldier corporal charles s kell g company had been shot through the forehead the injured were being cared for in an improvised hospital in san lorenzo with the odds against them every wounded man recovered certainly the regiment was a remarkably fortunate one on the following morning we set out for the bridge we had left the night before my friend was feeling better after his good night's sleep and said little that was discouraging we had proceeded but a short distance when upon coming around a curve in the road we sighted the long line of steaming kitchens every face beamed and a greater cheer greeted the eats than that which greeted the news of the armistice at noon we reached the bridge and stopped for mess it was the first hot meal for several days and slum never tasted better the bridge was choked with traffic so that we were forced to wait until nearly three p m to get started while waiting i noticed our two automobiles crossing the dry bed of the river a happy thought struck me and i started for them there was only the driver one officer's and some officer's bedding rolls in the one car and i determined to get in with the baggage when at last the order came to march i was perched on top of the baggage the colonel adjutant and an italian liaison officer acting as guide were in a fiat we followed them besides those mentioned there was a chaplain and a driver riding in a motorcycle with sidecar attached the marching troops were soon left behind and we continued until we reached Codroipo where our second battalion and attached platoons awaited us from their lips we learned of the hard chase they had given the austrians with almost nothing to eat and no sleep for thirty-six hours they were a tired lot but they were full of praise for daddy butler the red cross man who distributed chocolate bars and cigarettes to them before they went out over the top among their captures was a great supply depot containing about two million dollars worth of military stores while we talked the rest of the regiment came up and halted in the road after some discussion it was agreed that hot supper from the rolling kitchens should be served to the second battalion before proceeding returning to the automobile again we set out after the fiat after riding several miles we reached a little dark village where the occupants of the fiat alighted from their car and passed up the street seeing that we were to stop for a while the chaplain and i walked about the village hoping to find something for the inner man since we had eaten nothing since noon there was an osteria a short distance away where we were served sardines and beautiful fresh bread when the chaplain asked for the bill the signora smilingly answered niente nothing seeing that things were cheap and wishing to take something to the drivers the chaplain asked for three more cans of sardines and some bread while these were being brought an english-speaking italian soldier approached and asked us if we would like some steak we looked at each other in frank amazement for we thought the country had been stripped of eatables recovering ourselves we decided to try the steak we laughed heartily over our luck as we consumed the delicious steak and bread and thought it fine to be treated like grand deliverers of these poor abused people 
while we dined an italian came from another room and asked the chaplain his rank the chaplain answered truthfully since then we have wondered what effect that had on the conclusion of this episode for when we asked for our bill we heard not niente but thirty lires six dollars the chaplain dug deeply into his pocket only chaplains have that much money and we left with a dark brown taste in our mouths so much for deliverers later the fiat passengers returned and we resumed our advance after travelling some time we began to see that our italian guide did not know as much about these roads as he thought he did he stopped frequently and with his flashlight examined his map it was now about midnight and the countryside was asleep notwithstanding this upon arriving at a little village we stopped before several homes blew our horns threw stones at the windows and called out until finally a woman replied not much was learned from her and in disgust the guide took his seat and we began to circle the neighborhood we finally understood that he did not know where he was we wondered how the marching troops were standing the long march and also if they too would be marched in circles when they reached this point i heard later that they did that very thing eventually our guide had a thought and we raced after the speeding fiat through the dark silent night going at top speed to keep up with it and fearful that we would lose the motorcycle which had no light after much breathless racing about we reached a town near pozuola both cars stopped in the town but in a few minutes the fiat went on while we remained we understood that we would go no further that night and as it was cold we followed a streak of light coming from a building the door of which was standing open we found half a dozen men shelling corn over in the corner there was a large pile of corn cobs not long after the men departed kindly failing to put us out as our troops were nowhere in sight and no move seemed imminent we took advantage of the pile of corn cobs with the driver's three blankets we three chaplain sergeant major and driver lay down side by side on the cobs and fell asleep the sound of a running motor awakened us and we sprang from the bed and out to the road the driver was not around but he returned later with the news that the troops were close by we joined them at pozuola they had not reached the point until nearly four a m and then when the command to halt was given they were so tired and disgusted that some lay down in the muddy road and slept the rest fell off to the side and pitched pub tents all were exhausted and dear reader the war in italy was over what was the object of this terrible march officially recorded as forty-three kilometers twenty-seven miles but more like thirty-five miles according to the men who marched it we were rushing to no beleaguered allies our presence at this point was not vital to anyone's safety was it to prove to the imbecile officers italian english or american who ordered it that americans could accomplish it i wonder how many deaths could be traced to the miserable events of this night how many tired undernourished lads found the first flu germs on the damp ground as they lay there exhausted after their struggles at ten o'clock after a warm breakfast the march was continued and at noon we halted at lovario and went into billets 
resting here until noon the next day we again resumed the march covering the twelve miles to a field near Iplis before evening the boys pitched tents and prepared for a short stay headquarters detachment went on to Iplis and procured an empty house some of us found a badly battered stone barn for the horses and gathered straw and made a comfortable bed on the second floor for ourselves not a window or door was in the place and at night the wind swept up the valley whistling in the door and out of the windows the julian alps were in plain view before us while here we formed an acquaintance with a friendly english-speaking italian who one evening took two of us to a supper of the italian's sergeant's major we could scarcely believe our eyes when soup chicken lettuce cheese bread and wine were brought in at the same time our mess sergeants were making life miserable for the supply company who they claimed were not delivering enough canned beef and hard tack on the eighth we had a rumor that germany was going to capitulate on the tenth the colonel left for padua the headquarters of the american mission to italy we wondered what was in the air while at Iplis, the whole regiment was marched to the river where they bathed in the cold mountain water luckily the air was not cold on this day on the eleventh the german armistice was signed and on the twelfth the second battalion packed up hurriedly and was marched off to dalmatia we who remained also took up the march at one p m on the twelfth and proceeded to Kormans, austria having crossed the border line about 3 p.m. End of section 6